<laughs> Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton. I'm Sydney. And boy, do we have a doozy. <laughs> another doozy. Another doozy. You know, every time I say it, I know we joked about this last time. It's like, oh, it's just our catchphrase. But like, realistically, this case, I think if we've had any case where you can say, holy shit, that was a doozy. This is one where it's like a head scratcher <laughs> for sure. Definitely a head scratcher. Definitely a doozy. They're all doozies, though, as we like to say. Yes. Um, but yeah, it definitely fits the bill, as <laughs> as do many of them. <laughs> and yeah, that's true. I guess <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. One of these days, I'll pull out a thesaurus. I don't know. <laughs> I say that often, but <laughs> we're almost a hundred episodes in. We've done it a handful of times. We don't really like it, so <laughs> it doesn't feel right. It just feels so different. I agree. It feels fake <laughs> and forced. Literally. Don't fix it if it's not broken. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> well, before we dive into this case, do you have any true crime news or updates you want to talk about? I do. So Ooh. I sent you on the Moscow. I feel like I'm kind of like over my obsession because I'm not getting the answers which unfortunately <laughs> is not how this works. But I know I sent you some screenshots this week on the Moscow, Idaho, that basically Brian was for sure stalking the girls. And I had seen a post also from the restaurant that they worked at um, that he had, there was mentions like that he had gone into the restaurant like days that they had been working or like in the weeks prior. And the restaurant like had posted uh like PSA basically like stop calling us stop coming here like we don't know anything about anything like basically we know as much as you guys do so stop calling calling us to like ask us questions about it like that just people are so obsessed and like need to know that they're calling this restaurant to figure stuff out in the restaurants like I have no idea like what that's wild also like that takes the whole like internet sleuthing thing to a new level like People are I don't crazy. Know. Wait, like the rest of us, for the detectives to do their job and all the information to come out. I it could potentially be like harmful to an investigation or a trial. I feel like. And also, like, what do you think that calling there is going to do for you? Like, I don't know. I guess like what these conversations are. Like, if they're calling for because they have questions, or if they're calling like just being assholes. But like, realistically, what do you think that's doing for you? Like, literally. <laughs> what what's your goal here i just don't understand that at all i thought it was really crazy that they even have to post something like that that their phones are ringing off the hook and like people are blowing up their messages like people are insane yeah that's wild and it's like interfering with their business too and like i don't know i don't like that <laughs> no it's very cringy people very probably are cringy. scared to work people are so weird though yeah oh my god we well, also, sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say the other thing we talked about this week, I feel like we should mention on here. Oh my God. Is it going to be what I was about to talk about? Maybe. Say it. <laughs> that Carol Baskin's ex husband is alive? Yes. <laughs> uh. 
Sydney sent me an article where basically it talks about how, what was it, in 2021, Carol Baskin basically was like, yeah, my my ex-husband's alive, like, Homeland Security contacted me, and they found him in Costa Rica, but, like, everyone missed that, and it got, like, brought up again. Literally everyone missed that. Everyone missed it in, like, an interview. It was, like, brushed past and no one, like, even paid attention, which is so wild. He still has not produced himself. <laughs> like, no. he has never been, like, hey, I'm alive. Hey, like, I don't know. To me, like, one and two don't equal four. <laughs> so things aren't adding up to me personally. But I do think it's interesting that. This is, like, going around all of a sudden again. Like, oh, yeah, her ex-husband's alive. Yeah. It's it's very interesting that, like, it's now just getting brought up. If this, yeah. If she mentioned it, like, two years ago. And, like, he hasn't come forward. I had read another article that she had said something along the lines of, like, he spent all his money. Like, he doesn't have any money. He's basically, like, poor or homeless living in Costa Rica. Which, like, maybe Somehow. is why... Yeah, but, like, maybe is why he's not, like, producing himself and, like, coming forward, because he doesn't have the capabilities to. It's not like he could bring himself back to the States. But you had mentioned when we were texting about it, like, he had kids, and, like, his kids thought it was all suspect, too. So, like, that's weird that he would yeah, just like leave kids, and not return. Adult children who were, like, he would have never left and, like, never contacted us again. yeah. So even I feel this- like that's weird. Like, if you are, like, even semi-close, like, okay, so let's say that's where the situation is, where he has spent all his money, he's poor, he's living on the streets, like, you wouldn't try to get a hold of your family and somehow, like, your children somehow and find them and be like, hey, I'm alive, like, help me get home. <laughs> well, and also, like, the fact that, like, so, like, the kids were obviously, like, very hurt by this. You would think that they would have gone out there and, like, tried to look for him. You know, like, made attempts on their end, like, to go there. And well, nothing I'm ever happened with that maybe either. they are now because, remember, in the Tiger King documentary, they were in there. Mm-hmm. They like, were. And his, ex- his ex-wife before Carol was on there, too. That was all in the same one, right? Like, it was all in Tiger King. So I think it might have been in, I don't think it was in the initial Tiger King. Or was it the second one? Remember, yeah, when they came out with, like, the extra interviews or whatever, like, six months later or something. I feel like it was in that because from Tiger King initially coming out, it blew up about the whole she killed her ex-husband thing. But I don't feel like they really, like, made that a big deal in the Tiger King episode i feel like it was like the media and the web sluice that then were like holy shit this happened so they needed to like touch on it then in that second piece well and joe exotic is also adamant that she killed her husband (laughs) um i also want you all to know that he also released a statement through his attorney that he is not convinced that don is alive and that is a lie and carol killed her husband I saw so it's like that. this man is still on this soapbox. Also, I don't know if you saw in the article I sent you, if you kept scrolling, it like pulled up to another article. And him and his attorney are appealing to the president to help get him released on his 21-year sentence that he's yes. facing for 
two attempts to hire a hitman to kill Carol Baskin uh, because after Brittany Griner was negotiated to be released from Russian prison, Joe Exotic also feels like he should be released. Well, he was trying to get released before, like, was... He was trying to get pardoned from with, Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm what... also actually really surprised Trump didn't pardon him. Especially with how big, like... Yeah, tiger, I felt like that was, was right 100% when the tiger came. been a thing he would have done to, like, get public support. <laughs> it's valid. You know what I mean? Like, everyone loved Joe Exotic, so you'd have been like, oh, I'm gonna <laughs> pardon him. It's true. That crazy meth-smoking man. <laughs> Dude, he is a creature. He just got a, another divorce, too, recently. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I follow his, like, Facebook page, and some of the things I can post on there are just, like, absurd. He was, like, calling out his, at the time, husband, and then they ended up getting a divorce, and, like... He was, like, selling all of his items, and it was wild. I was like, this is so oh much my God. I love it. I'm going to have to follow that page then. Good. You should. <laughs> you definitely should. You also can, like, write him a letter, and he'll write you a letter <gasps> back, apparently. Oh, my God. I'm going to do it. Because people will post, like, where they'll send, they'll send in, like, a photo of him, and he'll sign the photo and, like, write you a little short letter back. Oh, my God. I'm going to do it. <laughs> that you can make some money off of that one day probably i think so <laughs> or just cherish it for the rest of your life <laughs> either way it'll be framed in my house one day <laughs> yes it would be okay a, a beautiful addition to your home literally <laughs> well that is all the true crime news i have updates on that i wanted to talk about <laughs> Yeah, I don't have anything else. <laughs> All right, sweet. Well, before we go on more tangents, I guess I'll let you dive into this case. We love a good tangent, though. A, a shocking news story seems more common than not with the abilities to share on social media or read these stories from thousands of miles away. One of the most, most bizarre mysteries to come out of Nebraska continues to be shared on social media, even though it took place in 2006. Chadron, Nebraska is a small town in the far northwest corner of Nebraska. In 2021, it had a population of 5,229 people. So it's extremely small. And Chadron is home to the Museum of Fur Trade and quite proud of its fur trade history. That's like one of the first things that comes up about Chadron, Nebraska, when you search the city, which I thought was extremely interesting. And they even have like fur trade <laughs> days in the summer. And I was like, this is just the definition of a small town. We don't have our A&W, but we got fur trade. <laughs> Literally. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. And they have a fur trade museum. That's wild. And fur trade days. Like a whole week of yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> But besides the fur trade, it's also home to the Chadron State College, which is a four-year college with 49 undergraduate undergraduate programs and eight graduate programs. But the average class size is 14 people, which is literally my worst nightmare. And can I, whether it's a state college or not, it just shows how small this state college is. 
Also, I feel like that's incredibly small, even for a state college. That's small yes. for, like, high schools. Yeah, for sure. Like, even, I had some, I mean, the university that I went to was a smaller school, I guess you could say, for our area. But I never had a class with 14 people in it. I would say minimum would be, like, 20. When I went to take community college classes... There was no less than, like, 25 people in those classes. And that was probably yeah. on the smaller end. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like in some cases, like, if they didn't have enough enrollment, so if you didn't have a certain number of people, and I don't know what that number was, that they would cancel the classes, then you have to take it, like, a different semester. So yeah. the fact that, like, your average class is 14 people, you could probably have a class with less people, and probably not a lot more than that. In 2006, Stephen Hada was a math professor at Chadron State College, and one December morning in 2006, he didn't show up to his class. He was then reported missing, as it appeared that there was no signs that Stephen had planned on leaving. He simply just vanished. It was also really out of the ordinary for him to cancel classes or not show up to classes, so the university was quite concerned. The only suspicious detail was that there was a withdrawal from his bank account the night before for exactly $100. He had only recently moved to Chadron from Spearfish, South Dakota, so the theory of him just running off to start a new life didn't really make much sense when in recent months he'd basically just done that. He had moved within the last seven months to this new town, so why would he run off again and move to a different town? The theories really multiplied in the small town, as there was beliefs that he had been the victim of a hate crime, with accounts of him having some feminine mannerisms or possibly, you know, making gay, like, there was rumors that he might have been a gay man, but then his family had said that that was not the case, so people believe this might have been him being a victim of a hate crime because of that. While there was others that insisted he must have been, it must have been the work of a serial killer in the town. Police had even gone as far as going to a psychic to look at the case, and the psychic had told police that it had to have been the work of a student who had been upset with his professor and in return killed him. The theories continued to spiral and come up across this small town, with him disappearing in December. And then in March of 2007, so only a few months later, things got even more weird. There was two ranchers in the hill near the college where they came across a burned tree. When they got closer to this tree, they found that there was a body tied to the tree that was bound by the ankles, torso, and the midsection. The body was identified as Stephen. And the body was so badly burned that even the zippers and buttons on his clothes were found to be completely melted. Nearby this location of the tree, there was an unopened water bottle that was found, pieces of a flashlight, a plastic Tupperware container, a bottle of peppermint schnapps, and an unidentified melted blob of plastic. But at this location, there was no footprints or fingerprints found. And the autopsy had showed that the cause of death was the smoke inhalation and the burns that he had ultimately suffered from. 
But it was obvious that he was clearly alive when the fire had been set. And there had also been a high alcohol content in his blood. So, obviously a very suspicious um, thing to come up. He disappears. No, there's nothing found. And then he's literally found within like a mile of the school itself under these very strange circumstances of being tied to a tree. But then it looks like he, this tree was literally set on fire with him basically alive. Police had felt this was a homicide at first and then changing their beliefs to a suicide after discovering that he had struggled with depression and previously had attempted suicide. But the suicide taking place in such a gruesome fashion had seemed really shocking. Also that there was no suicide note that had ever been found. And also that it seemed quite impossible that he would be able to tie himself to the tree in such a fashion. So although police have ruled the death as an elaborate suicide, which is an interesting thing to call it, many people still do not believe that that is what had taken place. The bizarre case has even led to a book and a movie called Love and Terror on the Howling Plains of Nowhere, which is a documentary. I had watched the preview this morning and was kind of expecting it to be an actual like movie on what had happened, um, like a dramatization. But it was a documentary on, like, what the locals believe. So, like, the first opening scene was, like, multiple different people saying it was a suicide. It was a homicide. It was a suicide. It was a homicide. And their beliefs on whether or not. Interesting. (laughs) On what had taken place. Um, To this day, his family has just accepted the suicide theory. But it seems like there's so many other people that have not accepted this. And I want to kind of talk about some of the ins and outs in that in a second. But, okay, good. Because I, I have some follow-up questions and statements. Perfect. But I've been really trying to let you get all the facts out before I flood you. <laughs> yeah, there's only a handful of, like, facts themselves out there. But it's pretty much, like, straight to the point. Um but yeah, the family never accepted this suicide, just basically accepted the suicide theory. I think it just kind of reached a point where it's like, all right, we don't know anything else. The police closed this. What do we do with this information? Um, but being such a small town, obviously all that information is going to keep spiraling. And we've talked about this before. I follow like all these different Facebook pages of like unsolved murders, unsolved cases that, you know, are big head scratchers that people like myself look up at nights and right don't sleep <laughs> through the night and this case has come up so many times where it's like those reddit threads where people sit there and talk about it and are like this piece doesn't add up this doesn't add up why would you think it was a suicide besides him having depression and like having a past possible suicide attempt but like those are the only two piece- pieces of the puzzle that make it make sense so So, one of my major questions for you here, because I didn't see it in any information. I'm guessing you probably didn't either. This man was found, like, miles away, right? From the school, yeah. Was there a car nearby? Like, was his car nearby? Was there a bicycle? Like, I didn't see anything. So, my first question is, how the hell did he get there? 
So I did read in one article and I didn't see it in anything else. That's why it wasn't one of those things because I, I feel I didn't include it because I was like, I don't really know if this is true or not. But he didn't have a vehicle. They said that he walked everywhere. So and like from my understanding, these ranchers like were out in that area looking for like a pe- like their cattle or something. So they were trying to get their cattle back into this farming area. So I think it was just like a discreet area that you would have to walk to just based on the map that I was looking at. Um, so if he like walked it, there, let me get this straight. He walked yes. there with some sort of rope or whatever used to tie himself to the tree. A bottle of alcohol. And all this other stuff. A lighter and or matches, which is easy. That fits in your pocket, whatever. But also accelerant. So, like, was it a gas can? If so, where's the can? You didn't, you know what I mean? Like, there's things that are missing for me that, like, I don't. It could have been the the alcohol. So, like, he had the schnapps on him. I mean, I guess I don't know how much that would. Yeah, I guess. Like, be of an accelerant. But, like, the fact that he had, so he had a water bottle. A flat there was a flashlight a plastic tupperware container which it didn't say like if it was a small one a decent size one like just like a little lunch one peppermint schnapps and then some sort of melted blob of plastic so that melted blob of plastic could okay. have been like a gas can too but that is a lot of shit to just be carrying you know, like and there wasn't For a miles. bag or anything so i mean maybe yeah. it was like a cloth bag that burned up or something i mean the you bag could have been that... burnt, I guess, so that, like, you know, to play devil's advocate, I have <laughs> some I have some crazy statistics, too, but, like, whenever you're ready for that. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. Uh, and so, th- the statistics I found are actually uh, from Canada, because I can't find anything in the U.S. It was released in October of 2022, but it was from 2011 to 2020. So, according to Canada, there was, like, 220 fire-related deaths in Canada each year. And majority of them were related, were classified as unintentional. But one in six were classified as intentional. And then, of those intentional ones, they obviously had someone either harming themselves or harming others or actually harming themselves. So, they said... Fire-related suicides account for more than three in four intentional fire-related deaths in that nine-year period in Canada, which I thought was shocking. That's crazy. That just seems like such an out-of-the-ordinary way to do it. Well, that's why I looked it up, because I'm like, there's no way. This is like a common way. Like. I can understand, okay, the man was depressed, and maybe that's why his family, like, accepts it, like, knowing he had attempted suicide previously, and he was feeling this way, then, like, potentially that's how they let their mind and hearts just, like, be at rest. But I feel like if I found out someone in my family died by fire as a a suicide, like, that would be shocking, because I feel like it's such an abnormal thing. So... That number is, like, really high. They said they actually, I mean, and mind you, this is in all of Canada that these stats are, but there were 26 fire-related suicides each year. 
in that nine year period. Crazy. That's still high. And I mean, they said it it accounts for less than one percent of overall suicides in Canada. So it is a very small number, but that's still more common than I expected it to be. That's what I was thinking, because I was expecting so one of the key things was, you know, he died from the smoke inhalation. Right. Like he took the smoke and that's what he ended up ultimately dying from. So I was thinking, I feel like fire is used as like a cover up often where like somebody's shot in the head and then they put a fire to the scene. So then they find out later the person died that way or like they're strangled and then they light them on fire. Like that's something that in my head, I was thinking that there'd be a different cause of death. And then so that's really surprising. Well, so speaking of the whole smoke inhalation, 52% of fire-related suicides die by smoke inhalation. That's crazy. Uh, That just seems like a a horrible way to go out. Horrible, right? They said only like 29% are due to burns alone. And that those ones are actually pretty awful because that means they usually survive the burning and they would die later on in the hospital. That's uh, they did say accelerants are involved in over two in five fires. So it's like about 50%. Yeah, it said 42%, sorry. And then 8%, it, the accelerant containers were found at the scene, but they weren't able to conclude if they were actually using the fire. So I'd say about 50%. Okay. And... Here's the one part that, like, didn't match up. It said most fire-related suicides actually occur on residential properties. Like, actually, 61% (laughs) occurred on residential properties, which doesn't mean it's, like, an anomaly. I mean, it just is a smaller percentage, right? Yeah. And then it said the rate of fire-related suicide is higher among men. Men were actually three times more likely than women to die in a fire-related suicide. Very interesting. Yeah. So I, like, saw these statistics. And, like, again, it was Canada. It was from 2011 to 2020. But I think those were, like, pretty eye-opening stats, at least for me. Because when I first read this case, I was like, there's no way. And there are, as I pointed out a bunch of questions, there are things that don't add up to me. There's a lot of things that don't add up. But also, these statistics made me like, okay, so it is more common than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, they said men are usually used to doing, like, or use more violent methods when committing suicide. It's interesting. It's very interesting. And I didn't even think to, like, even look that up because in my head it was just, like, already rolled out. Like, there is no way this man tied himself up. But I've also seen, you know, on true crime documentaries before, shows before, where they try to prove you wrong that, like, people can tie themselves up. Like, I think it is possible, but I think that it's very strange. There wasn't a suicide note. Like, also him withdrawing $100. I mean, I think if it would have been more, that would have been more of a red flag to me than just $100. Yes. But... (laughs) That doesn't seem like a reason to get killed. It may be, though. I feel like they people have done it for less, unfortunately. Um, there's just so many things that don't make sense, though. Like, why? There are Besides- so many things to me that, like, really don't add up. But, like I said, those 
statistics, I was like, okay, so I guess it's like reasonable. I mean, have you, I'm sure you watched the Unsolved Mysteries episode, but like, do you remember the episode where was it like the lady was out on the boat trying to like re, was it recount the like being tied up or something? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's kind of what I was thinking when you're talking about like their shows where they do that. Mm hmm. I think because that is the one that I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> well, that's what I'm trying to, like, think of. Like, I don't know. I just genuinely can't imagine, like, tying yourself to this tree and then somehow lighting yourself on fire after. That. Like, I just. It just seems like such an elongated process. But then also, like, with the tying, like, people, unfortunately, like, the suicide forest and stuff. Like, it's an elongated process, but they, like go up there and do that if well they're... and like maybe he tied himself like hands free but tied himself so he couldn't like run away and like stop drop and roll if he changed his mind that's true that is true i just there's like a lot of like oh i can see one side but i can see the other mm-hmm. kind of thing and this is a very interesting case i had never heard of this before i had it's never heard mind of it. blowing it just kept coming up on these pages that I follow. So, like, I can't stress that piece enough. I had never heard of this before, like, in the media or, like, read any articles. And in these different Facebook pages, like, for the most part, it's always, like, the same handful of cases. And then every once in a while, there'll be a random one that I'm like, this is interesting. And this case kept coming up. And, like, I never clicked on it, but it was, like, the same picture of Steven. And I'm like who is this guy? And like, what is this? And I finally read it and I was like, this is crazy. And the comments on there, people are just so adamant. There's no way it was a suicide. It doesn't make sense that it's a suicide. But I think with your, your statistic in there, it does make it more reasonable. (laughs) Yeah. I might have to go respond to some people on the Facebook page and let them know. Yeah. Don't (laughs) worry. I'll be including this source on like our sources so you can send it to people on reddit <laughs> get them all fired up Love literally book fight <laughs> been there done that <laughs> but it's very interesting um and definitely one that you know it's closed in in terms of investigating the family's not pursuing and I was anything say, even the family thinks it's closed so that's also really interesting Mm-hmm. It just sounds more like Reddit and like locals and all these like series of people who hear the case are like that's not possible. Definitely the locals. I'm. I do want to watch that uh, documentary because I I watched the preview and I was like this actually does seem really good and it seems like it's mainly like the locals and like the investigators or like the police, but it's almost kind of like an urban legend in the town of what actually happened being that it happened in 2006 or everyone has their own beliefs but oh yeah it being a closed case i mean i don't think we're gonna hear anything else about it unless no private investigator takes extremes or like a deathbed confession but (laughs) that's true but those are always few and far in between (laughs) yeah we always hope for them are they accurate though no, there's been, like, 17 deathbed confessions about people who have killed Jimmy Hoffa. And then when investigators follow up and all the information they provided, it comes up with nothing. So. Yeah. <laughs> Just 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I got. We're not gonna know. I'm just gonna sit here and scratch my head and probably argue with Sydney. Just provided it. another episode for you all to listen, scratch your head, and also stay up at night wondering about this kind of stuff like we do. <laughs> <laughs> Literally wake up in a sweat in the middle of the night and start googling, and I'm like, what is going on? There's no answers to anything. Yeah, I uh, will add this to my list of reddit rabbit holes i'll go down (laughs) the reddit rabbit holes are interesting it's like the same handful of theories though you know that it's a serial killer that he was targeted it was some sort of hate crime it was there is some on there like that it was an angry student but they never had an angry student that they were able to like interview from my understanding so i think that that is really well he was pretty new yeah, he'd only been in this town for about seven months. So Yeah, so I feel like an angry student is probably, like, really slim. Unless he, like, came in and shook things up real quick. <laughs> yeah, which I feel like there would have been more on that if that would have been Correct. what it was. Besides on just Reddit. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, that was an interesting case. Thanks for sharing. Of course. Do you have some jokes and facts for us to finish off here? I do. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Okay. Do you want a fact? Yeah, let's go fact. <laughs> Mexican food differs in northern and southern Mexico. So in the north, people prefer meat-based items. Well, in the South, they are more chicken and veggie dishes that are eaten. Interesting. It is pretty interesting. I just thought it was, I, I feel like that's like how it is here, though, in the States, too. Like, from, like, Southern food to, like, food in the, like, West, like, Tex-Mex stuff. And then, like, the different areas, like, everyone has their different foods that they're it- interested in. It might also depend not only on, like, the climate in the region, but, like, what's easily accessible. Like, I feel like, (laughs) since it sounds weird, but, like, you think of, like, Midwest, you think of, like, dairy farms and, like, all that kind of stuff. So, that's why, like, cheese and dairy and, like, probably beef are big staples here in the Midwest. That's true. Well, I guess there's, like, cattle farms in, like, Texas and stuff, but... Maybe, like, more cheese and dairy products consumed in the Midwest, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and it's different. So, like, for them having, like, in the South, more veggie dishes, you know, maybe they do have more better climate that they are able to produce these vegetables. Yeah, that would make sense. I'm on board with that. (laughs) Right? That's interesting, though. I wonder if uh, you can tell, like, a restaurant where like the owner or whatever is like originally from based off of what like the, are the staple menu items <laughs> that's a good point i didn't think about that i bet you could probably well, like what their their big menu items because I'm, I'm, i feel like most places are gonna have a handful of the same things but like their big favorite items or like the best favorite items they have their best sellers even yeah you're gonna be more focused around those Interesting. No, I agree. Interesting. Okay, well, hit me with the joke then. 
What did the soft shell taco say when it wanted to cuddle? What? Fold me close. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I have a couple of coworkers that are listening. They are twins, Sydney and Taylor, and they've been sending me <laughs> jokes that they're like, you have to put one of these on there. So I have a whole bunch that are ready to go. So stay <laughs> tuned, Payton. Well, Sydney and Taylor, thank you <laughs> for all the jokes. Maybe this will give us a break from some of the <laughs> I was like, I'll take all the jokes I can get. Send them all. Because they they were enjoying it. And they were like, do I get a shout out? And I was like, I'll give you a shout out. Send me all the jokes so I don't have to find them myself. The last <laughs> couple were not a fan. Or were not appreciated by our peanut gallery. Who was <laughs> listening. So <laughs> maybe these next ones will be better. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Well, folks, you can find us on Facebook at Tacos and Tequila Podcast. On Instagram, it's just Tacos and Tequila. We also have a website, tacosandtequilapodcast.com. Uh, I did fall behind, so I'm really sorry, but I'm working on getting it updated this week. So you'll have links to all our episodes on Spotify and sources for each episode. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you leave a rating and or review. This helps us get noticed, and it's really cool to see what you guys like. And for other people to just find our podcast. I agree. And yeah, like Sid said, it helps us get noticed, so it's very appreciated. And I think with that, I have nothing else to add. Am I missing anything, Sid? No, I think that's all the things. Sweet. Then we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.